Welcome back, everyone. Happy Monday to all. It's the another edition of Your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse, and I'm Devin Ashby, hoping everybody had a great weekend and a great Father's Day, spending time with your dads, grandpas, stepfathers, all the father figures in your life. And uh, But, you know, this weekend had some great games, and then, but this past week was a wild one in the sports world most notably in the NBA I mean it was it was like domino after domino falling from the start of the week all the way through the finish not just on the court but off and you know usually this is around the time that the season ends so this kind of stuff is kind of expected around this time of year but to see this stuff going as the season is still in play is kind of you know it was it was just a wild week and probably it was just you know NBA fans definitely weren't bored on either on the court or off but I don't even know where to begin for real like but I guess easiest place to start is on the court um shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks for getting clinching game sevens on the road in the Easter Conference Finals they will now play each other in a best of seven series after besting the top, I believe it was the top two seeds. You know, this is the first time, or no, this is the second time in the last two postseasons that neither of the top two seeds in the East um, finished in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the second time now in back-to-back years. You know, it happened last year with the Bucks, and I forgot who was number two last year, but this year the Sixers and Nets both were ousted early um, and falling short of expectations. I mean, we got to start with the Bucks first. Obviously, a huge win for them. You know, they had their backs against the wall after what was probably a debilitating game, a game five loss that they pro- where they were up by as many as 20, and, you know, they ended up collapsing. Kevin Durant having the game of his life, and then for them to come back Friday night and just absolutely dominate the game in a must-win situation at home. You know, Chris Middleton played out of his mind. Giannis has just really, you know, for all the criticisms of his style of play, he has just continued to produce and put up big numbers and, and you know, there are a lot of questions about, you know, should he be checking Kevin Durant, you know, with the size and being a two, um, a defensive player of the year and two-time MVP himself. And, you know, there have been questions about that. But he, nonetheless, you know, the team kind of made it work. But that Game 7 was probably one of the most exciting games I have seen. And, you know, it's been a number of them throughout this postseason. This postseason has not been anything short of incredible what all these teams have been doing. But that game seven between the Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee Bucks was masterful. I mean, you know, it had everything. There were back and forth, you know, at one point, I mean, in the first half in particular, Brooklyn really was doing well. Then in the second half, Milwaukee, you know, closed the door, came back. There was ebbs and flows. Every time it looked like somebody was going to pull away, you know, the other team would kind of close, shut the door on the run. You know, um, there are a lot of things. But Kevin Durant, I mean, what else can we say about dude? He has consistently been one of the top 
five or ten players in the game of basketball, maybe even top three over the last ten years. And for some reason, people seem to forget what he was doing in OKC, but there were questions as to whether he could lead a team as the, as the de facto scorer, as if people forgot what he was doing for years in Oklahoma City, you know, alongside Russell Westbrook and, you know, for a number of years. But he pr- showed us again, you know, he showed us in game in game five, then he showed us again in game seven, and he was, they were inches away from ending the Bucks season. You know, he hit a game tie shot, but because of his size 18 shoes, his foot was on the line, and, you know, there were a lot of jokes. I mean, they were, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets were literally a size 18 away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in their franchise history. You know, but then in overtime, he didn't make a shot. He went, I think he went for like 0 for 5 in overtime. You know, they only made one bucket. It was a Bruce Brown layup. And after that, it was all Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee, you know, they've obviously they still have a series to go. But at least the last couple of years, they've exercised quite a few demons. I mean, there's still a long way to go. Like I said, they got to win the Eastern Conference. This is what you kind of expect from them. But, you know, for a two-time MVP and a defensive player of the year in Giannis and a pretty solid guy next to him and Chris Middleton who doesn't always get enough respect as a as a really good basketball player you know to ice the game in the way that the both of them did you know was huge for that team and also shout out to Drew Holiday because he had an awful game seven he went something like I think it was like four for 20 or something but he hit some he hit two really three really big shots at the end of the game to first helped them come back there was one that could have won them the game but then you know there was a mix-up and things but then you know obviously Giannis and Middleton did what they get paid to do and what they needed to do got it done and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time you know the last time they were here was in 2019 they obviously fell short to the Toronto Raptors I really believe now is the time for Giannis and the Bucks. if the Bucks do not get it done this year I do not know if they ever will get it done. This is their time. They have to go on a run like the Raptors did in 2019 because the Nets are going to be back most likely fully healthy next year. We figure they'll be fully healthy next year. They're going to be on people's heads. Like, if the Bucks do not get a title this year, I don't know if they ever will, at least not in the next few years because the Nets are here to stay at least that big three. You know, you got to build around him. You have Joe Harris, who led the league in three-point, even though he came up short in this playoff run. You have, I don't know, I mean, Blake Griffin's on the team. I don't know if he'll be there next year, but you figure he'll at least come back for another year. You have DeAndre Jordan coming off the bench. I mean, you have pieces on that Nets team, and they're only going to get better. You know, and especially in another year together, in a full year together, in the sense that Harden came late somewhat late in the season because he got traded there. So they're going to have a full season together, all of them fully healthy. The Bucks, and not even just the Bucks, anybody really, the Bucks, the Hawks, the, on the other side, the West side, whoever comes up with the Clippers and Suns, like they, any of those four teams have to get it done. And it's actually a really interesting time that we're entering in the league. Like you can kind of see 
the dawn of a new era in this league. Like, this next generation is really stepping up big time. You see Giannis, you see Trey Young, you know, Luca and company. You see Devin Booker, you know, coming out, doing his thing. Like, this new era of superstar talent is really got the league in good hands you know as you see guys like LeBron Steph and even KD entering the twilight of their careers so it's like yeah this league is definitely in good hands you know um and to see what they're all doing but once again shout out to the Bucks and then the Hawks the same thing you know it was Early in this series, it was looking kind of bad. You know, they went up one nothing, and then they went down 2-1. But then they, you know, it was a lot of back and forth. And I got to say, Nate McMillan, I can't say enough about the job that he's done as a head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, to take over the team, like, in the middle of the season, the, the other head coach, Lloyd Pierce, had been fired. You take over a team that was 14-20 and 20 and guide them to the fourth seed in the East, you know, then they beat the Knicks in five and then to come in and take down the number one seed in the Eastern conference. And I believe the best record in the NBA as a whole in the Philadelphia 76ers on the road in a game seven in a hostile environment. I mean, you just can't say enough about him. You can't say enough about the job he's done as a coach. You can't say enough about Trey young. Another one, like I mentioned, one of these young guys that's taken the league by storm Kevin Herter, Maryland product, had 27 points in Game 7. You know, when he he took up the slack because Trey was really struggling in Game 7. He couldn't find a shot until really about the end when he started finally knocking shots down. But Herter kept the things going during the middle. And just to see the Hawks pull that off. And, you know, I, I root for Nate McMillan because he was – the head coach of the Pacers, and they unceremoniously let him go despite him making the playoffs. And then, you know, for him to be in the Eastern Conference Finals a year later and the and the Pacers didn't even win the play-in tournament, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like, you know, he gets the last laugh in that sense. And, you know, it's amazing. Now, I don't know if, I mean, Atlanta's a scary team. Like, I, I have the Bucks beating them in six games. But I can't count out Atlanta anymore. Like, you know, I mean, I I don't know if they have the bodies to check guys like Giannis and um, Middleton because those are big, length, lengthy guys. But you you just can't count this team out. I mean, they've shown too much over the course of the playoffs to really definitively say that this is going to be a wash. But that being said... I still have the Bucks winning. I think that the, the experience is on their side. They're in their second Eastern Conference Finals. They have pieces like P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday now that can really give Atlanta some problems that I don't know if, you know. I mean, Philly kind of sort of did it. You know, Ben Simmons, the Defensive Player of the Year himself, and Joel Embiid, an MVP candidate. But Embiid was playing on one leg the whole series. Still dropping 40 points, but he was playing on one leg you know, and Simmons gave them absolutely nothing. I don't think you're going to have that same issue with Middleton and Giannis, you know, and then they have complimentary pieces around them and guys like Bryn Forbes who went off in the first round. You have PJ Tucker who can give you 
like nine to 13 points a night from that corner and can lock you down on the defensive end. Drew Holiday had a bad game seven, but he had a pretty decent series and he's a strong defender at the guard position himself that could give Trey Young some problems. So, you know, they have pieces. Brooke Lopez had a great game seven, especially defensively. So he could give guys like John Collins problems. This this could be a very interesting and one of the, the tallest order that Atlanta's had to deal with the whole year. But we will see. It's going to be interesting for sure on that side. But over to the west side, you know, Phoenix Suns had quite the layoff. And I figured that, you know, once the Clippers, the Clippers took the Utah Jazz to six games. And I'm going to say shout out to Tyron Lue as well, you know, he took over for Doc Rivers after Doc Rivers was let go. There were the infamous comments Rivers said. I mean, Paul George was talking about how Doc Rivers was using them, and then Doc claps back and is like, you know, Tyron Lue is right next to me. It's pretty much going to be the same thing. And then, you know, Ty Lue, they were down 0-2 to the Mavericks in round one, came back won that series. They were down 0-2 to Utah, and then they ended up losing Kawhi Leonard in the process. Paul George has stepped up big time. You know, all the jokes about Pandemic P and like just his playoff shortcomings in recent years. He's come through, especially in those last two games, as the head guy, I guess you could call him, came and has just really played his butt off. And, you know, him and then Terrence Mann just came out of absolutely nowhere to just have a 39-point game in Game 6. The Jazz were up by 20, looking like they were going to force a Game 7. And then Paul George, Terrence Mann, and all them guys, you know, they stepped up, closed the lead, came back and won it, closed that game on the road, found themselves in their first ever Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals for, you know, the Clippers. And... The first, and it's ironic, you know, that they're playing against their former guy, Chris Paul, who could never do it. You know, we thought he was going to get there and he just couldn't get it done. And, you know, to see the both of them. But then Chris Paul has to have some of the worst luck in over the course of his career. Obviously, to only make one Western Conference Finals and then the one that he was in, he couldn't stay healthy in that one. You know, he's had some playoff runs where he hasn't, you know, been able to stay healthy. They had the infamous blown 3-1 lead against the Houston Rockets a couple of years ago. Um, the year in, like, I think the year Golden State won their first title, and they should have played Golden State but didn't, you know. Then this year, to get there again and then to get hit with COVID protocols during their time off and wasn't able to play in his first game. And you just wondered how that was going to affect the Phoenix Suns. But give props to Devin Booker. You know, he's another one. He's waited six years for a postseason performance. You know, the first six years in in Phoenix, obviously, they weren't very good until kind of the end of last year is when they really started to peak. And people for years were talking about, oh, we got to get him up out of Phoenix. We got to trade him. It's... It's just, you know, Phoenix isn't good for him. And then, you know, for him to come in six years in, 
never being to the postseason, and the moment has not been too too big for him. He's consistently delivered. He's asked to do it again in the absence of Chris Paul and to take up the slack. And all he does is go and secures his first career triple-double, a 40-point triple-double at that, and to secure a huge game one victory for the Phoenix Suns, who I believe will get to the finals. You know, um, whenever, even, you know, whenever Chris Paul does get back, obviously you can't count out the Clippers, especially no matter, no lead is insurmountable for them. They've already proven that. But I just, I trust, I I feel like this is Chris Paul's year. You know, I I really think that he's going to exercise some demons and finally get that first career run to the finals. But, you know, they, they obviously got game one, and you, you you just have to hope that they can c- continue to hold down the fort for however long Chris Paul is out because COVID tracing and COVID protocols are interesting which, uh, and are unpredictable at times. But, you know, um, shout out to the Suns, and, you know, they obviously a crucial game, too. They want to defend home court and... 2-0 leads, the Clippers have shown in the first two series, are not impossible to come back from. But with a team like the Suns, who are smelling blood and who don't really have the same issues that those other two teams have, it, it could be difficult. I mean, obviously, they would have to defend home court. But, you know, you don't want to go down 2-0 to this. This Suns team is hot. This Suns team is confident. You you don't want to go down 2-0. You don't want to make a habit out of this. No matter how much you've proven that you can come back from it, you don't. That still doesn't mean you want to make a habit because you could do it one too many times, and then the last time you do it, you don't recover. So if the Clippers want to keep this interesting, they have to win game two. Point blank, period. Like, you know, so shout out to everybody, you know, on those squads. And it's going to be a really interesting finals. And, I'm kind of surprised at the amount of people I've seen on the internet who are not fond of this playoff run. Like, for some reason, for years, the same people who have been crying and whining about how there's no parity in the NBA and it's too predictable and everybody... I mean, we've seen LeBron James and some variation of him versus Steph Curry or him versus KD or him versus the both of them for the last 10 years. We finally get some parody that, you know, most people see mainly, especially in like the college game. We finally see some parody and people are complaining about ratings and, and how it's not good for the league. And I'm like, bro, look at this exciting talent. Look at the guys like Giannis and Trey Young. You telling me, I mean, y'all are just saying the quiet part out loud. Like it's all about ratings and TV money and stuff. And it's like, bro. We got four teams in the conference finals that combined have not won a single championship since 1971 when the NBA and ABA merged. There was one there's one combined title among the four of them and it was the Bucks and it was back in 1971 when Kareem played for. So it's like you know like why are we complaining? Let's see, just because your favorite players the like let's appreciate the dawn of a new era bro like that's that's where we're going with this it's the dawn of a new era you got guys like Giannis who's entering the prime of his career you got Trey who's only 22 you got Booker who also is entering the prime of his career you know you you got all these guys you have a guy and Chris Paul who's 
on his last ropes and you hope that he could finally get to a finals himself. I mean, there are so many compelling storylines, you know, so to act, to sit here and act like this is so bad for the league and so bad for ratings, I think it's, it's trash. It's crap, really. Like, let's actually enjoy the game. Let's enjoy what's going on, you know? Because I, I think this is really good for the NBA. And plus, all these small market teams, you know, the the Suns, the the Bucks, um, the um, and to a lesser extent Atlanta. Like these are teams that I mean, you know, for years they all this talk about small market teams and how they're struggling and just whatever. This is a big win for the NBA in a lot of different ways, regardless of how it plays out. This is a huge win, you know. So shout out to these teams. You know, shout out to them. But also, I mean, that's on the court. Off the court in the NBA, it's just been craziness this week. I mean, you know, a lot of teams, obviously, that either didn't make the playoffs at all or were exited early. Now there are some questions as to what happens with them. You know, the first dominoes, you know, Boston Celtics, Danny Ainge retires, Brad Stevens replaces him, and now they're searching for a new head coach. Then... The Wizards, um, Scott Brooks, who a lot of people wanted to see go from the get-go, from the beginning of the season, even in spite of the turnaround that the Wizards had, and Scott Brooks was let go. You know, they couldn't come to an agreement. And he walked out the door, thank God. Um, uh, who else? Uh, then you saw Rick Carlisle for the Dallas Mavericks. Well, actually, there was a whole shakeup in Dallas. You know, everybody from the GM to like the special advisor then all the reports coming out about how Luca wasn't meshing well with Carlisle and so now he steps down it was a lot going on in Dallas and there, there's just like a team that looked like they had a lot of promise and now it just seems to be chaos you know outside of Luca himself obviously but you know Rick Carlisle who won a championship you remember the 2011 incredible underdogs with Dirk and you know, Carlisle retires and, you know, you figure he was going to, I mean, you won your a ring in 2011 and then like the last 10 years just kind of came short or wouldn't even make the playoffs in a couple of those years. So you figured this was coming eventually, but it still is kind of shocking, you know, so that, you know, it's a lot of, head, it's something like seven head coach openings now around the league. And those are just the ones that happened this week. Then, Boston, um, not only does Brad Stevens get promoted to president and G and Danny Ainge steps down, Brad's first move in his new position is to trade Kemba Walker from Boston to Oklahoma City to bring Al Horford back, who was a fan favorite in that squad, even though he's much older now and I don't know how much value that's really going to bring to the team now, but, you know, Oklahoma City has a lot of, I think there's something like 19 first-round picks over the next seven years or something crazy like that. So they are sitting on a lot of capital. I don't even know. I mean, that's that's a lot of capital. You know, you wonder, can they screw that up? I mean, you think, is it possible to screw that up, you know? So, but it's just a lot of moving pieces. A lot of moving pieces just around the NBA, around the place. 
And, you know, a lot of interesting candidates are coming up for head coach, you know. Oh, and we didn't even talk about in New Orleans. The the Pelicans, who probably are the most inept and just ridiculous organization running the NBA, they let go of Stan Van Gundy after just um after just one season, you know, one season into a new deal, which I don't think they should have hired him in the first place. So I'm not too mad about the move itself. But you keep seeing all this stuff coming out. Now you get, and then not even a couple of days later, reports come out that, you know, Zion Williamson's family are not very happy about the way that the team is building around him and that he may he might potentially want to move elsewhere when his contract is up or before that. We don't know. Like, then you get reports out that the Pelicans are the most likely franchise to relocate. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just madness. Like, but that, the Pelicans, man, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Gail Benson could really care less about that team. Um, You know, like, they're more concerned about the Saints. And they had, for a number of years, they even had a lot of Saints people running the Pelicans, which is why they weren't doing very well. And then, you know, obviously they brought real basketball people in there like David Griffin. But it still is not going to change anything. And I and I do very much see them relocating. Like, I could very much see that happen. It's, it, it, it just looks more and more possible every day. You look at the fact they just cannot keep stars there. You, you had Anthony Davis, let him walk out the door. Zion talking about just a year or two years in that he's, his family leaking stuff, talking about he's unhappy. You know, um, I mean, you wonder what happens with Brandon Ingram when his contract is over. Like, it, it, it just, it's weird that they cannot keep talent consistently. You got former players that leave talking about they, Chris Paul as well. Remember when they were the Hornets and they couldn't keep him happy and they he left. You know, former players trashing the organization like J.J. Reddick talking about they're lying and not telling the truth about things. So this it's just a mess in New Orleans. You know, as but not just New Orleans, a couple places, but yeah, it's it's really crazy to see. But that just shows you. I mean, the NBA off season has barely begun, and it's already just wild all over the place. You know, but I guess we could end it there. But on a more positive note, to end the show, I want to say shout out to Shakari Richardson. You know, the um, Olympic qualifier, she went to, I believe, Southern. You know, she was at LSU for a little bit, then she ended up going to Southern. She, I love her. I, this is a Shikari Richardson stand account over here. Um, she won the 100 meters qualifying race. She, um, you know, she's become somewhat of a viral sensation because she has, you know, the colorful orange hair. She has the long acrylic nails and she's very brash and confident and a lot of people kind of confuse that with being cocky and doing too much but i'm like no talk your talk your stuff sis talk it you know people love usain bolt when he used to like do his thing and i love her she is a modern day flojo she's a reincarnation of that with the with the long acrylic nails and the and the flashy style and the jewelry on and stuff like and then to see her win that race and to embrace her family and to hear that her mother passed away like a week ago, I mean, 
you really got to feel good for her that she was able to get this and qualify for this race. And I just really hope that she wins all the awards at the Olympics, you know. But, yeah, that's, I just had to end it on that. But this has been your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. I'm Devin Ashby, and I hope to see you all next week.